welcome to the Supply Chain Careers Podcast, the only podcast for job seekers, professionals, and students who are focused on career-enhancing conversations and insights across all aspects of the supply chain discipline. This podcast is made possible by SCM Talent Group, the industry-leading supply chain executive search firm. Visit SCM Talent Group at scmtalent.com. To search for or to post supply chain jobs, visit the Supply Chain Job Board at supplychaincareers.com. I'm your podcast co-host, Mike Ogle. And I'm your podcast co-host, Rodney Apple. In this episode of the Supply Chain Careers Podcast, we talk with Deb Parme, Amway's leader of global demand and supply planning, procurement, and analytic teams. Deb shares her supply chain career journey from a start in finance and accounting to her love for operations, to a multi-year, multicultural assignment in Asia. She spoke with us about building diverse teams and the stronger relationships and ideas that come from them. Plus, she shares her ideas about learning, leading, mentoring, internships, and the need for more strategic thinking in supply chain. Deb, we're happy to have you with us today. Welcome. Thanks, Mike. It's great to be able to uh, be with you today to uh, engage in this dialogue. Deb, how did you get started on your supply chain career journey? What were some of your biggest influences? So it's ironic. I first joined supply chain back in 2009. So I haven't been in supply chain all that long. It wasn't my lifelong journey. But at the time, I was in a role leading our global incentive events team, and which was outside of my normal career path, but something that um, somebody asked me to do. So I thought, why not? But During that time, I still had a relationship with a a senior supply chain executive who I had done some special projects for in the past years at Amway. And one day he just called me up and said, what are you doing with the rest of your life, right? You don't want to spend it doing events and wouldn't you be interested in coming to supply chain? So I was like, tell me what you have to offer. And so that was really when I thought long and hard about where did I want my career to actually go at Amway instead of just bopping around from function to function which was interesting and I learned a ton, but I I really wanted more direction. And so I joined Supply Chain at that point as the Director of Global Transportation. And so he was really an influence in me in that respect because he believed in me because at first I was like, I don't know anything about moving containers around the world. And he said, but you know how to get stuff done and you know how to ask good questions and engage the right people. And so that gave me a lot of confidence. And he was not a micromanager. So I was really able to do my thing and make my way. And he supported it so much so that I was only in that role for 10 months and then was promoted to leading the entire uh, U.S. distribution uh, and warehousing and transportation activities. The other piece, though, that even more so than that gentleman is the people that I've worked with that have inspired me. When I first joined, I had a lot of individual contributor types, truck drivers. We have our own rail yard and we have our own team of, we call them switchers, but they take product back and forth between the plants and our central warehouse operation. And so I thought the best way to get to know this group of hourly employees was to spend more time with them. So I rode the rail car. I rode in one of the worst blizzards ever in the truck with one of the switchers to see what they have to go through on a day-to-day basis. I worked the pick lines. And my 
desire to be more active in the operations really came from those individuals as much as it did from more, you know, senior managers or executives, because I saw the hard work that they go through and I wanted to be able to find a way to make their lives easier while getting the job done and making it a great experience for our business owners or distributors. You have spent time managing that Asia Pacific supply chain. So could you share how that came about? And then what kind of lessons uh, learned from that experience that you'd like to share in terms of what you learned, any mistakes or challenges, and what would you contribute to the overall success? Amway's been a global company for much of our 60-something years. From my very first opportunity at Amway, I've been traveling globally, working with our teams around the world from the beginning in different capacities including helping to open new markets when we were first going into Eastern Europe and such from an operational uh, perspective. So I've always been very comfortable. I've traveled extensively. And uh, when I wanted to do an expat assignment, I always wanted to be in their shoes because I was always the corporate person and not always well-received. And and so I thought I would love to do that. There were other opportunities that kind of came and went, but a few years ago, the opportunity came up to go and build out a regional supply chain function within Asia-Pac. And there had already been an America's one, a Europe-Russia one. And so I thought, maybe this is the time. And it was a little bit tricky because I had just had major spine surgery. My doctor and I had a long conversation, and this is not going to define who I am. And so he let me interview and got the job, and off I went. I can tell you that it is the best thing that I probably have ever done in my career. There's so many lessons that I learned, but it's really about being flexible in your communication style, in how you get work done, because the Japanese are are very different in how they make decisions and move things forward than the Koreans, et cetera. I managed 11 different markets there, so I had to learn 11 different cultural styles and be ready to step into that at any given point in time. But I enjoyed that challenge. It was crazy busy. But from a personal perspective, one thing that um, I learned is I had to be very patient and I had to be patient with the people that I worked with. But more importantly, I had to be patient with myself and, and to be accepting that this is a very different world and the pace at which you get things done is going to be different because I tend to be a little bit of a perfectionist. So I just had to learn to be okay and be patient with myself and to know that I'm in a different country or countries and it's not my normal territory. There's so much new coming at you that you really have to be kind of patient and just work your way through it. But you're absorbing a lot of new all at once and you, you go through a lot emotionally and you just have to give yourself a lot of grace. But I would just highly recommend, I always tell my team members, if this opportunity ever presents itself, don't be afraid, take the leap. I don't think I've known anyone who hasn't done an expat that didn't come back very happy with the experience. For me, I'm in the role that I stepped into two years ago. We went through a huge organizational change and we switched from the regional model to um, a more centrally organized model from what we call center out. At that time, my regional role was eliminated, but luckily I was offered the opportunity to come back and step into the global planning role. The relationships that I had built in Asia helped me so much to get ground and get success early on because the changes we made to be center-led really impacted the markets. 
And I had to lean into those relationships and friendships that I had made really the trust to get us through that. And if I didn't have that, how much more difficult it would have been to have the conversations I had to have and to make the changes. So it really helps on many uh, facets of your career to build global relationships and to get out of your comfort zone. Not just learning 11 cultures at that point and ways to communicate. Now you got to do the whole world. (laughs) Yes. So now I'm learning about the Indian culture and some of the European, the Western cultures in Europe, which are a little, you know, more challenging in their own right. Luckily, I have a, a lot of relationships with people in those markets from my past roles. And so while there are also a lot of new ones, I'm taking the same approach. I always feel like I have you know, two ears for a reason. So I tend to try to listen more than I speak until it's appropriate. But really listening, being empathetic, looking for ways that I can give them a win while still um, achieving my goals and targets that I need. It's fun. I, I love it. I'm really trying to help my team through my eyes to be able to build those relationships through expanding our work to not just be center-based, but collaborate globally on teams so that they get that broader experience. And when you say center-led, I'm envisioning a center of excellence type model, or are those regions still there in terms of boots on the ground, or is it everything is directed from the corporate office? So everything is directed from the corporate office. We don't call them regions anymore, but I call them kind of our geo hubs. So we don't have planners in every market in Asia anymore. One of the things I did while I was there is we consolidated them all into a hub we have in Busan. So that's our planning hub. And then I built a procurement hub in Singapore. They have the same in in Europe, India, um, China, and then the Americas. What have you learned over the years with what it takes to build a successful team, what goes into that whole process from identifying and attracting talent to selecting and then bringing people up through the organization? One of the things that I think has been really important in in building a team is looking for people that are not like myself. Extremely diverse people, an inclusive type of person, And, and I don't mean diverse just from ethnicity or gender, but truly diversity of thought right? A mathematician brought into supply chain or somebody with a marketing background into supply chain. I've had that opportunity by being in many different roles and then working you know, globally with a very diverse culture all the time. And so I really try to challenge people to um, not hire people who think like them just because that's easy, but really get people who will step up and challenge and think differently about the way things get done. I just find it much more rewarding than in a homogeneous working group is to have a really different type of team that you bring together. And I find that it works really well. You got to go through the forming storming sometimes because they are different. I still think the value is there in the end. We struggled a little bit. We sit in West Michigan. There's historically not been a lot of diversity in our headquarters, to be honest. And I'm so proud of Amway and what we're doing, because over the last 10 years, we've um, invested a lot in our diversity and inclusion programs. I think we're really starting to see a difference and it's being able to open new doors for me and my team as we look to recruit um, new talent into the teams. What kind of skills then, both hard and soft skills, have mattered to you the most as you have worked with a variety of 
supply chain executives. What are the keys to success as it relates to working and partnering with so many different people? The first thing is relationships. Working with someone, at least in the Amway world, is more about the relationship building and the trust building. Once you have those in place, you can pretty much get anything done. If people trust you, they believe in you, it opens all kinds of doors to being able to get information or get alignment. I coach people a lot on that. Get to know them first. Don't just go into the conversation with a million questions. Take a minute and ask about their their family, their life. Get to know them as a person. Have a coffee, have a lunch in the old days. (laughs) (laughs) Now we do that virtually, but I think relationships are important. The other thing when you're coming up in the management and executive ranks, one of the things that I believe in, you got to make sure you know your stuff a little bit. As you move higher up, you don't have to have as deep a knowledge, but I think to earn your seat at the table and the right to be there initially, you got to know your stuff and enough about the details to really help influence decisions, support your team, earn that credibility. Have you ever had people on your team that uh, were very strong in, let's say, a a hard skill and not so good on the soft side? How did you manage that kind of situation? Yeah, I've had a lot of those. And it's a lot of coaching and time and modeling behavior. Talk to them about the value. What does it look like to, to lead with heart? Amway just launched a whole new culture program, and it's lead with heart, live to serve, love to learn. We are having the love languages in our culture now, which is a complement to the values-based foundation that we've always lived by. And so now it's really easier because you can point them to that. And I think the best way to train people is to always model. The best way they should behave is for them to see somebody doing it. As you look back, what do you wish you had known when you were a student, both at the beginning and as you were graduating? So at the beginning, I wish I'd have known about supply chain. I really didn't know what I wanted to do and actually ended up getting directed by some people in my life that at that point to an accounting profession. So by degree, I was a CPA when I graduated, but I quickly learned that that was a great foundation, but my heart loved operations. And at the time, when I finally did learn about supply chain, it was just a course within the marketing program at my university, and it was mostly procurement. So at that time, it really wasn't a career. So it was like, okay, take a course and see what it's all about. But I really wish that there'd have been the programs that I see being developed today, and I wish more universities would put together a completely integrated supply chain program and not just focus on procurement or manufacturing, but all the the planning, the forecasting, all of it. It would have been great to start in there and and build a solid career as it was. It took me 20 years to basically find my way to supply chain. And I've loved it. You know, I mean, it's my heart and soul and it's really where I've found my passion. During this short break, we recognize that this podcast is made possible by SCM Talent Group, the industry-leading supply chain executive search firm. Visit SCM Talent Group at scmtalent.com. To search for or to post supply chain jobs, visit the supply chain job board at supplychaincareers.com. So Deb, we talked a lot about how you build teams and, and develop. What about mentorship? Is that a piece of it? Or are you serving as a mentor now? What are your thoughts there? Yeah. When I was early in career, we didn't have a formal mentor-mentee relation or a program at Amway. 
since that time, probably for the last 20 years, it's been evolving. I'm a big believer in it. And I'm a big believer in having multiple mentors for different reasons and different purposes. So I always encourage people to develop relationships with many. But more than that, I think they need to find an advocate and somebody who's got a seat at the executive table who will take responsibility to own the development discussions at the table about them. I do this for a lot of people. I have a lot of informal and I have some formal mentorships. That's my job um, is to develop other leaders. And so I always encourage them, but they have to be willing to do the work because as a mentee, you have to be the one to come prepared to those conversations. So I do a lot of time coaching about that as well. Like, don't just expect somebody to give you their time over and over without you putting some work into what do you need help with? What do you need their advice or guidance on? It's a dual relationship, I think, but really important. Everyone from day one should seek out a mentor. Well, what about internships? Do you have an internship program there? Amway has a a wonderful internship program. It's really blossomed probably in the last 10 years. I, I love the internship program. In fact, we have targets to challenge ourselves to improve our our retention rate or conversion rates so that we convert them to actual full-time employees. And we consider them an essential pipeline to our employee base. So I love the interns because they make me think differently. They're incredibly smart. I don't think I was that smart when I was an intern back in the day. This year alone, we had three. We we were able to convert two to full-time roles. It'll be starting in January. They just really did a phenomenal job on their projects, even being virtual, because this year we're not in the office. So they had to develop relationships and connections and get work done without um, ever meeting somebody in person other than through the video. And so I would encourage every student to find an internship and a meaningful internship. And I would encourage employers to give those interns meaningful work, not just filing or, you know, organizing things, but problem solving, because we've had some of the best successes when we've given them a a real chunk of real work. Does Amway have a a leadership development program? I think that's a wonderful way to both attract top talent coming out of school, but also to accelerate their learning and development. Do you speak to that? We do have a, a corporate program that we call our top talent and people are nominated based on their performance as well as other criteria. That is a really great program as well because it's global. It's the top of the top. They are exposed to a a lot of different activities and speakers throughout the year. They're given a project that they work on sometimes that they have to then report out to senior executives and show their ability to collaborate globally. That's so essential in our Amway world. On top of that, our supply chain has another program with our supply chain and our innovations and science group where we have our own top talent or internal leadership development program. And that has recently been revised and kicked off this year. And I lead with another executive, 10 different cohorts across the globe. And it's a mix of all supply chain functions and all innovation and science. So our R&D and QA, that sort of field. And it has been phenomenal to, to just engage that team. And we've been focused this year on our culture change. So we have a lot of conversations about our three pillars, which I mentioned earlier. We've also had internal executive speakers, our CEO and others come in and allow them to ask questions. 
We've had mentoring conversations um, between ourselves as well as the other nine cohorts. So it's a great opportunity for them to meet others. My advice to people that engage in those are, these are the people that you're going to grow your career with, that you're going to have to work with for however many years you stay at Amway. So get to know them. Even if you're an introvert and it's a little bit uncomfortable to blindly reach out and ask somebody for their time, do it. We're Amway family. We're always willing to invest at that time for you and with each other. We encourage that a lot as part of that top talent too. The new executives all come out of that program. It's very, very successful. I think there's an equal message that should go to employers. There's cost involved, but I think it's a very cost-effective way, especially when you look at the benefits that can be gained from cross-pollinating to accelerating leadership and learning and stakeholder engagement and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I would say to employers, find other ways to manage your costs, but don't um, skimp on your leadership development because they're the ones that are come up with the ideas to help you make more money in the future. Speaking of the future, what are some of the bigger influence that you see changing the supply chain, especially the career side of it in the next few years? I think that we've got to have a more strategic mindset maybe than day-to-day operational, which I think is a lot of what supply chain is or has been. We also have to think differently about cost management. I think supply chain everywhere around the world has been on a real trend of cut costs, cut costs, be lean. And I think we saw the downside of that this year, right? Our supply chains are so fragile that they just started fracturing with the pressure. And Amway's in a similar situation where, although we've done very, very well, some of uh, the choices we've made in the past kept us from being able to respond as quickly or as efficiently as we would have liked to, to the spikes in demand that we saw this past year. So I would say you need strategic thinkers that can find, and with a good technology background too, from a career perspective, because it's all about technology. It's all about the digitalization of supply chain. We need more people with those skill sets or mindsets, true business thinkers versus functional experts, I would say. On that note, are you making any significant changes when you start looking at the the holistic supply chain? Keep hearing we need to be more resilient uh, and and flexible. I know a lot of companies are inundated with requests to find people to help rethink how we're setting up our supply chain and risk management is getting to be more important. And then diversifying the supplier base, especially if you have all of your supplier eggs in one basket. We are actually taking on a big initiative this year, cross-functionally across supply chain, to explore just that. What do we need to change in our network design to be able to allow ourselves to be more responsive, number one, to have that agility to respond to not only to crises, but just the ebb and flow of significant demand patterns? We have a lot to overcome, but looking for ways to do that and do it cost-effectively Looking at the right metric, we have a a mix of both e-commerce fulfillment as well as storefronts around the world. And some markets um, are more intensely in the shop versus the e-commerce. But overnight, when COVID hit, all of that volume from the shops came into our DCs to be fulfilled in e-commerce. And it was just an overload. However, what we saw is there was a natural resistance to technology and online ordering in some countries, 
people um, migrated to it very quickly and there's been a real stickiness to it. So many have not migrated back to the shops or storefronts, even now that they're mostly open around the world. And so that was a great lever because it actually helped us advance our company three to five years into the future of where we want to go to be more digital and be able to do some other things from a customer experience. So we're moving in that e-commerce channel, but we're not ready for it and for what that means from a responsiveness and and an agility and supply perspective. It's been phenomenal and we really have an, an upwind with us right now. So we just plan on really investing heavily, particularly in the next six months. And we've got some technology partners that are are working with us to help us model different scenarios rapidly and deploy solutions rapidly is um, more critical than it's ever been. And so we're looking at some technologies and capabilities in that space as well. Also wanted to ask, because the background that you came from on the financial side and numbers and, and then going into supply chain, what have you seen with some of the people that started in supply chain from the start with degrees, their grasp of what you would perceive fundamentals of the financial and accounting side that you've either been surprised that they've been able to grasp what you think they should grasp, or have you found that they've been a little bit lacking in their ability to deal with the numbers? I would say by and large, my experience has been that they have a great grasp of the financials. They understand the dynamics from every decision that they're making, what the impacts are. There are very few who truly have an end-to-end supply chain degree that I've seen struggle. I'm impressed by the fact that they may not know all the balance sheet accounting, but they certainly know the cost drivers of their business and the piece they're operating and the impact on those financials of the decisions they're making. So I think the schools are doing a great job of preparing them. But I also think that whatever career you're in, you need that financial discipline, right? Because it follows us everywhere. And so if students invest a little more time and maybe even a dual degree wouldn't hurt them, but by and large, I think the schools are doing a great job. On the learning side, supply chain careers certainly need continuous improvement. So how do you keep up with the changes yourself and how do you advise others to keep improving? For myself personally, trying to read a lot of articles and journals, I think I have every conceivable publication coming in e-format now. Listening to others, I love to dialogue with others, both within my organization and outside. Sitting on other boards is a great opportunity to learn what others are doing. Podcasts are a great way to be able to get some knowledge while you're doing something else, like riding a bike or something maybe trying to get some exercise in. So I think there's a lot of different ways. And and I just encourage people to be curious, whatever their natural format of learning is, whether it's books or magazines or online articles or podcasts, whatever they're comfortable with, be curious and explore as much as possible. The whole podcast thing that's come about is just incredible way to gain knowledge in a very succinct amount of time. And You can multitask most of the time while you're listening or just relax and take a break from screen time and listen and learn. So I would encourage everybody just to do more of that. We also have educational programs that we um, have within the world of Amway for different topics and a portal. We encourage our team, hey, take a mental break and take an hour and go out and take this course online through Amway University. And there's a lot of great market research teams and they have a lot of information and articles out there as well on different topics. 
So Deb, I was going to ask a question around some of the best career advice that you've received. Can you pick one or two things? And uh, part B of that question is, what's some of the advice you would like to share with our audience? One or two things. I think the best supply chain advice really didn't come in the form of advice, but in the form of trust and belief in me. As I mentioned earlier, there was a gentleman who hired me into supply chain and his way of giving me advice was to say, Parme, just get her done. I mean, literally, he he would say that. And that was sometimes a little daunting, but it was like, well, he trusts me. He trusts me. And so I think the advice is let your actions lead the way, right? If you do a good job, if you show up engaged, that is, that's important, right? Don't be the um, quiet person sitting in the corner of the room. You're there to share. We need people to speak up. And I learned that part of advice really when I was in Asia, because in a lot of the Asian cultures, some of them, they don't speak up when there are senior executives in the room. And so I would always, with the team that reported up through me, be like, this is neutral territory, right? There is no hierarchy in my organization. We are one team we share. I need your thoughts. I need your ideas to help me through this. And so that's what I would say is you're there for a reason. Contribute and don't be intimidated. Speak up, engage. We need you. That's why you're here. The other thing that lately has been kind of my mantra is learn to love the problem, right? Embrace it. Love it. Don't wait. If you wake up every day thinking, oh, it's I got to deal with this again or feeling just really drawn down by the issue at hand, it's going to affect your performance. It's going to affect your happiness. But it's amazing how if you jump out of bed and say, yep, I love it. I got to go think about why I can't get product into Korea. It does change your whole approach for the day and how you think about things. And and so I always say, love the problem, you know, and for my leaders, I tell them, empower your people, right? We have so much talent that's untapped because of old hierarchical systems and processes. And we can unleash so much more if we just empower people. So something else I wanted to ask about was when you solve problems and have victories, how do you celebrate those and reward them? When we were together physically, we would often do a team lunch event or we would all go out for a fun activity to some sports place and play games all afternoon together. We also have an internal program. It's called Sparks. It's a recognition program. And there are dollar amounts tied to the different types of Spark Awards. So when someone's done a good job, we spark them. Based on the effort and the complexity of the issue they solve, but it can go up to $150, $250, all down the way down to like $50. So we use that a lot too, especially now when with COVID, you can't do the get together in person stuff. We've had a lot of creativity this year, though, having team events to thank people where we've done virtual cooking classes and we've provided a delivery kit of meals to their home and those kind of things or a meal on us coupons and, and different things like that just to say thank you and um, try to recognize not only the employee in some cases, but their families, because this has really been a family situation. Deb, thank you for a great conversation and your insights about supply chain careers. Thanks, Mike. It's been a great experience to be here today with you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Supply Chain Careers podcast. Be sure to listen to other episodes and sign up to be notified when future episodes are released. 
as we continue to interview industry-leading supply chain experts. This podcast is made possible by SCM Talent Group, the industry-leading supply chain executive search firm. Visit SCM Talent Group at scmtalent.com. To search for or to post supply chain jobs, visit the Supply Chain Job Board at supplychaincareers.com.